0: hello and welcome to decent jobs on a living planet an environmental podcast where we talk to people from experts to activists about just transition and what it means from a scottish perspective okay hello and welcome back to the podcast today we're joined by tam wilson Project Administrator for the STUC, who's involved with the Young Workers Project and the Better Than Zero campaign. Following on from our last podcast with Francis, which served as a kind of introduction or refresher when it comes to the history of unions and their immense importance today, uh, Tam has come to talk to us more about actual union organizing today, precarious work and the crossover with youth politics. Uh, I'm excited to talk about how young people can start organizing in their workplaces and why this is important when it comes to building strong communities, fighting climate change, and transforming politics. And hopefully we can see how this is all relevant to a just transition. So welcome to the podcast, Tam. How are you? Hi, uh, thanks for inviting me to speak today. Yeah, not a problem at all. Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested in your background. So if you could tell us more about it and uh, what work you're involved in, either with the STUC or otherwise.
1: Yeah, so i um, I say my name's Tam. Um, originally from Fife, but now living in Glasgow. And I've uh, worked for the STUC for the last eighteen months now, roughly. Um, working on the young workers project and the Better and Zero campaign. Um, I've been involved in um, political activism and trade union activism for probably six, seven years now. Um initially through the Better Than Zero campaign actually and um, been involved in a whole host of different stuff from there uh, and then eventually getting the job with the STC which has been sort of my priority over the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah I bet that
0: keeps you busy. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. So definitely. yeah you got involved actually through the Better Than Zero campaign so maybe tell us a little bit about that and uh, what its aims are.
1: Yeah so the, the Better Than Zero campaign was set up um, I think it was around about 2015 and it was set up um, basically in response to the decline in youth membership of um, of, of trade unions. Um, and it was kind of set up off the back of the Scottish independence referendum, not that it, had, um, it has a position on Scottish independence, but mostly it was uh, trying to harness some of that young energy uh, and young engagement with political uh, discussion and put it in a direction towards trade union activity, increasing trade union membership and beginning to talk about the the workplace experiences of mm. of, of young people, and um, so the campaign basically um, set up to sort of challenge some of the precarious employment practices that are happening. Sort of highlight what is happening and give um, young people a sort of tool um, to engage further um, in campaigns and in uh, issues that are happening in their workplace. Oh, that's
0: tr- tremendous! Yeah, that sounds immensely important. Um, so maybe. Give us, um, so what's Better Than Zero been up to, say, over the last few months or any recent successes or that you'd like to talk about?
1: So, I mean, obviously, Better Than Zero has been set up for a number of years. And um, when we were initially set up, we were focused on um, predominantly the hospitality industry. Um, this was prior to the existence of the Unite Hospitality campaign. Um but we've now sort of spread out to encompass sort of all forms of precarious and exploitative workplace practices. Sure. Um, so I came into the role not long before the pandemic hit. So um, as you can imagine, <laughs> as, soon as, the, as soon as the pandemic sort of landed, there was a whole host of different people getting in touch with us with a whole range of different issues. Oh, yeah. Sometimes just looking for advice over, over whether the experiences they were, they were having were to be expected. Um, sometimes it was here is a concrete example of how our, um, our employer is sort of shafting us at the minute um, uh, how do we go about challenging that so over the course of the last year or whenever the pandemic started um, we've been sort of helping people to get in touch with us and um, to collectivise with their fellow employees and then post stuff back to management uh, whether that be fighting for things like fur- furlough or for the holiday pay that they're entitled to, or a whole range of different issues, basically. Uh, Sometimes more successful than others, but um, there has definitely been some success stories over over the course of the last year. And um, now that we're sort of beginning to get to a place where things are opening up again, Mm -hmm. um, although in Glasgow that has been slightly delayed, unfortunately, um we've, we've kind of launched our, our workers reunion campaign, which has basically just been trying to get the ball rolling again and getting out there on the streets and talking to workers about the experiences that they, they've been having on their return to work and sort of giving them some pointers in terms of how they can collectivise things that they should be expecting and how we can support them if they're wanting to take things forward.
0: Perfect. Oh my, I mean it's just such a seminal topic with the pandemic as well isn't it precarious work you know i don't know anyone that wasn't affected by the total change in employment circumstances and so maybe let's just talk about precarious work like in general maybe not not even specifically to do with covid like what is the employment situation that young people kind of go into now and how did it even get to this point um and covid obviously exacerbated it but how did we get there anyway
1: Yeah, so I mean we use we use the term precarious work quite a lot. Um obviously um there's a debate about whether that is a helpful term to use or whether it's not, but basically it's it's pointing to the sort of lack of security that people have in 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 their in their work and then how that also affects their lives. Right. Um when we are talking about precarious employment, we're talking about a whole range of different work basically, but exploitative different like different exploitative employment practices be that uh, zero hour contracts be that um being called in five minutes before a shift started and expected to come in but also ranges through to other types of work like your gig work gig economy work or agency work where people are on a basically bank staff for a range of different venues and um, so yeah precarious is precarious work is sort of a catch-all term for these different forms of exploitative employment practices um while well, we wouldn't want to pretend that precarious employment is anything new it's obviously existed for a, a for a long time <laughs> the the use of these sort of zero hour contracts has vastly increased over the course of the last you could say 10 15 years and um, initially um sort of touted as a very casual way to engage to get a few extra hours but obviously you now have entire um entire sectors that are dependent upon these employment practices um, and they've become part and parcel of it and sort of our our approach is to try and sort of untangle that a bit and put a bit of resistance into the spread of that kind of employment if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah it's kind of advertised almost as like a kind of freedom as well isn't it as like oh that you have the freedom to choose work but it's not really like that in the end is it
1: no abs- i mean absolutely not like um that's i mean one of the main things that we talk about so obviously, her name is Better Than Zero. It was set up with an initial focus on zero-hour contracts. We, we cover a whole lot more things um, than just zero-hour contracts. But um, the issue that's normally like focused on when people are talking about zero-hour contracts is the lack of hours that people get. When in actual fact, one of the main things that we like to talk about is the power dynamics that come out from a zero-hour contract. So you are you know, less likely to be able to challenge anything that's happening in your workplace if you think that um, that's going to be then posed against you when the next rota is made, For uh, just as an example. So it's sort of the, the power powerlessness that it, it tends to give an individualised workers so that they're competing against each other for uh, hours or better conditions or whatever, um, rather than it being like sort of a collective appro- approach towards the employment practices in a workplace of
0: yeah no i i love the way you've set that up and when i think about precarious work i know i think about zero hours contracts i also think about seasonal work you know that's something i've engaged in a lot um as a university student Um, and often seasonal work is just like a synonym for precarious work and it affects not just students but like migrant laborers or festival workers like most you know most of my friends have worked to the fringe at some point and you know the stories that come out of that's incredible so how do you organize around seasonal work?
1: Um, I mean, there's no one-size-fits-all approach, and I'm not going to pretend it's easy to organize within seasonal work, but um, we have a, a, a range of different ways um, that we try to sort of tackle these issues. Um, I mean, so uh, from the Better Than Zero campaign, we work pretty closely with other um with all the different unions but i mean particularly like it's unite hospitality and hospitality and then it's us is the usda union for people who are in retail We work with other unions too but those are just two examples and mm-hmm. um, and the way that better than uh, sorry the way that unite hospitality work is that they um while they try and build up membership within particular workplaces they also organize um, city-wide so for example there is a um unite hospitality glasgow branch which which all Sort of members of Unite Hospitality can can attend and contribute to and voice what's happening in their workplaces. So it gives um, a little bit more um, space to sort of speak about issues that are happening in different workplaces, even if you don't have a robust sort of trade union um, within your workplace or you don't have high membership or, or, or recognition or, or stuff like that. So when people are involved in seasonal work often they will work in hospitality at different times of the year, so it's still worthwhile signing up to the union because you can still be engaged with that part of the conversation. Um, Other things, like, for example, less so over the course of the last year, but prior to the the pandemic, we did have um, hubs, like little hubs in a few different universities, and that way we would um, try and engage different students and to bring them into the conversation about how they can begin to organise within their workplace, how they can um, maybe challenge some of the things that, that are happening or so they can just know their rights in terms of what they are entitled to and, and what they are, are basically being forced upon them, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'd like to return to that actually maybe in a little bit, but um, there's – the precarious work has like you say there's so many different aspects and elements in it but um it's got other inequalities built into it too like in the service industry like sexism is like prolific um and that injustice is kind of baked into the industry like from the way that employers would hire based on physical appearance and how do you hold them accountable for that and the the fact that even customers will expect a certain level of engagement because of the whole service culture and jobs being at risk if you don't cater for the expectations of the customer and then that powerlessness that you mentioned before so it's like yeah hospitality i can understand why that was such a central focus but in terms of like the other inequalities which are all sort of baked in and sort of support that like precarity and powerlessness like um how do you how do you tackle that sort of thing through workplace organizing
1: yeah well i was just going to say that um so obviously these things are 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 very prominent within um, a whole range of different casualised um, and precarious employment, particularly uh, in hospitality, um, and that it does stem from that sort of powerless powerlessness that I alluded to earlier in terms of the zero hour contract and being able to um, raise concerns about certain things that are either expected of you or that have been said to you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, one thing that um, we always try and do when people are getting in touch with us is to and de-individualize the problem you know what i mean so um people will feel far far less vulnerable if they are approaching certain issues um as a collective rather than just an, an individual raising grievances so having that sort of collective response to certain issues helps give people a bit more confidence to raise the the issues in which you're um which you're highlighting there and um, and then in the hospitality um Example that you gave, um, Unite Hospitality have something called the Fair Hospitality Charter. So when they are campaigning in certain workplaces or when they are pushing for for recognition, there are um, certain issues which are, are become a part of the campaign. So for example, like in um, Unite Hospitality, I think it's nine nine demands that they have. Um, one is an anti sexual harassment policy being within the um, for for staff members in hospitality um so that's so that like when when individuals are coming to us they aren't the one that's raising that issue it is just central to our campaign for indivi- for for trying to uh, promote better work within uh, per- particular workplaces uh, other things that are on the the charter as well is like paid transport home after 11 o'clock Ideal. i mean, that's not trying to um so an in- if an individual feels vulnerable for, for whatever reason asking for a taxi home it's not an in- individualized concern it's actually something that should be yeah promote it to all staff so that people feel comfortable utilizing um, these these benefits of of employment because the expectation is that the the employer washes their hands of uh, any engagement with the staff as soon as they clock off and our and our argument is that they have they have a duty to protect them on their way into and their way out of work as well. Um, so we just yeah I, I mean and that's just one example but we embed this 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 approach that it's collective and we're trying to represent everybody and it's not just about the individual who comes to us. Um, who's maybe the most confident person who, who, who can challenge things within their workplace. I
0: do. I love that, actually, because what I was hearing there was like this sort of communal kind of support network that's like bigger than the individual and which these, these the problems and the abuse which you sustain is actually being recognised by this, you know, big support network, which is also trying to force like a duty of care for the employer as well. That's so important and a complete neglect for the employer um but it ties into the next point which is you know it's another kind of injustice which is baked into precarious work and tied to all the elements we mentioned but it's like the kind of emotional and personal abuse which often accompanies those that are in precarious work um and that's sustained not just from the precarity of your employment but it can be anything from employers like gaslighting you like heaping praise on you for one minute and then ignoring you or making you feel terrible about something wrong that you did the following day and uh, being made afraid to ask for like lunch breaks or sanitary products or holidays and just feeling like fear and um, like all of that just is like the hallmarks of an abusive relationship and it's like so many people are tied into that kind of abusive relationship with their employer and um, so how can that culture of abuse in employment also stop once and for all?
1: So I mean, as I, I, like as I've said, like when we are when we are trying to organise within particular workplaces, we put that front and centre. Um, but also we, um, when we have people engaging with us, and again, this is either through Better Than Zero or through some of the affiliated unions like United you know, Hospitality, we then also have a voice to to talk about things on a national scale. You know what I mean? Whether that be at Scottish government level, UK government level, um whether this is about um, improving uh, legislation or support mechanisms for people who are experiencing some of these issues. Um, so us us engaging and trying to organise a workplace is, all, is to talk about the issues within that workplace, but also to then provide a picture more, um, more nationally about what is happening um, within these industries. Um, and I think that... That gives us space to sort of push the the narrative in a certain direction or, or, or around certain issues. Um, like I think that's pr- like j- just talking about zero hour contracts, for example. Like we've been because we've existed for f- five six years now. I think we've actually done pretty well at at, at, at dispelling some of the myths around zero hour contracts and how um how useful they actually are and how people like them. So it's just the more people that get involved, the more robust a picture we can start to paint about what is actually happening within the, um, these industries and how we can um, push to either support workers who are experiencing these issues or workers to raise their voice at a national level so that they can um, work to challenge them. Absolutely,
0: um, yeah, yeah. And almost on a on a tangent, because um, I uh, I got because I've been applying to jobs after the after the kind of lockdown ended and things are opening up again and. Uh, I got given a, a zero hours contract and it's, it's, it's almost worthwhile try to talk about like, and point out like, how can you spot a zero hours contract? I know it's not very difficult, but this one actually shocked me that I received, I won't name any names of course, but they had basically, they'd, they'd removed the word employment and they had get, said instead that the, the work that we were going to do with you was an assignment and that the terms of the contract are only there so long as you're on assignment which is basically your shift that's just what an assignment is and then after that shift ends there's no liability between you and the employer there's absolutely no rights there's nothing on the contract applies but then you're also expected to be fully available as and when the employer requires you to work another assignment so that and the way that had that had all been worded to me had was quite disturbing i know that um zero hours contracts can come in all shapes and sizes but i wondered if you had any other like um you know templates or pointers about how to spot like an an exploitative abusive contract and like what to do with that
1: yeah i mean that story you've told me like while shocking rings true to so many of the different messages and, and and conversations that we have with different people that are um on these types of contracts totally um, i mean one of the main issues is that like people don't have to be don't need to be offered a contract when they've started work so they they could be offered a job um with vague notions about what their terms will be and it'll actually be well, so, I mean, six months down the line is when that conversation is supposed to happen, but plenty of times it's two years down the line and people are like, yeah, I still don't have a contract, so I don't actually know what my my, my, my terms are. Um, and um, I mean, that came up a lot during the, the, the pandemic. Um, so when the furlough scheme was announced... Um, there was no obligation for employers to really engage their zero-hour contract staff in the furlough scheme because they technically weren't rotated in for any hours so they could just wash their hands of them. So that was part of what our fight was um, initially um, in trying to just get people furloughed because it didn't actually take that much effort from the employer. Um, but the the issue is that with, with zero-hour contracts is a lot, of the things that they are doing are legal. That doesn't make them right. Yeah. Um, and but a lot of the issues around employment practices are are actually really shoddy but really legal. Um totally. so when people get in touch with us they're like I we have I I have a, an inquiry about whether this is this is legal or not. It's the response is often yes it's legal but that doesn't mean you can't challenge it. You know, what I mean like we use the law as a tool in our arsenal yes and but it's not the basis of our campaigns if we completely relied upon the law to be this the standard in which we were set then workers wouldn't be getting paid enough and there wouldn't be enough security for a lot of these workers Mm -hmm. so as i say the the law is 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 one tool that we use and we can pose back to employers often if they are breaking the law but it's not the 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 complete basis of our campaigns and we can and do push for better laws in employment practices at a national level, of course, but getting that collect together and getting them in a space where they feel comfortable to challenge these practices, whether they're legal or not, is, is more where our focus lies, if that makes
0: sense. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just so incredibly important to have just, like, a, a force or an entity or a community that's, like, try to fight on your behalf with, you know, the law and, like, e- being able to educate you on your rights and, like, you as a legal entity and being able to, like, spot in a contract, like, what is your legal entitlements there? Because there is this discrepancy between... Is what my employer doing illegal or is it incorrect or, you know, and do I have the willingness to take that further as an employee? You know, is my powerlessness is it worth it i know and that's i feel like that's the question that goes through so many people's mind even when they're just in the midst of in precarity and being exploited it's still asking the question like is it worth it to take this further because there's always the question of like you know will will they just lose a legal battle maybe i don't i'm I'm not familiar with the law and stuff like that so um i i'm I'm sure you've had experiences of that and better than zero with young people coming to you with that and yeah
1: so i mean when well when people get in touch with us like so we recognize that not everybody that's getting in touch with us knows what trade unions are knows what their purpose is or knows yeah. why they're relevant to them and um, i mean i technically include include myself with this five six years ago i trade unions to me were oh that's all oh, the miners were the trade unions and you know what i mean all these big industries yeah, yeah, yeah. now yeah. I, I work for the SDC, so i'm clearly this is not where, the, the way that i think <laughs> anymore but um so we really try and dispel some of these sort of um, reluctance to engage with unions and show how that they can be be relevant for them. So we don't, when we're talking to workers, we we don't shy away from the fact that we're a trade union campaign, but we don't tie it exclusively in these trade union, uh, all these trade union terms or the bureaucratic structure of trade unions. We, we gradually sort of push that in, but when people are involved, when people have signed up to their union. Um, they do get legal representation if things go to um, a tribunal or if they're um, needing support in, in uh, a disciplinary meeting, for example, then yeah, the union will be, will be there to, um, to back them up. But often, as, as, as you've alluded to, like, and as we've discussed, like, a lot of the things that employers do get away with are legal. And then also when a lot of the things that the employers are um, trying to do that are illegal, like that are illegal, it is often a very long and drawn out process to Mm -hmm. challenge these if you don't have a union backing you up and giving you a bit of support. To try and do that on an individual basis um, is next, next to impossible. So that's why, as I said, we will... Anything that is happening that is illegal, we will work to try and challenge these things, but that doesn't mean that we won't also be trying to build up their collective to try and post stuff back to management or shift managers or owners or whatever at the same time as that. It's just another part in our process rather than the basis of the um, what we do to support people who get in touch with us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love this as well because it's fascinating to me and i wish i'd knew about better than zero before because you know i'm a young person um and i've actually never walked into an organized workplace and i feel like maybe i wouldn't i wouldn't even know what an organized workplace would look like walking into a building you know and um, but i also feel like i've filled out the bingo card of exploitative work situations you know and i've also experienced workplace solidarity but Um, And it kind of occurs in that, you know, like it's almost a necessity. You have to look after each other Um, and but they never really got to the point of like bargaining or trying to enforce our rights. It was always just kind of like caring for each other Um, because it felt like if we were ever to go to the employer with like demands or like trying to gain some more dignities and respect and look after the younger employees who are often more precarious than the more experienced ones it just felt like a recipe for unemployment because we just all felt so precarious and that we would be replaced and that any sort of longer legal process would just be like even more kind of traumatizing and um, so i was just i think we've mentioned it already in terms of the support networks and the duty of care and trying to change the policy and the cultures and that but like i do see care and like mutual aid as being just totally alongside collective bargaining and the legal enforcement of rights and stuff and just marries so well with union organizing. Um so I just wondered if you had any insight into um how that those kind of you know, like the, the kind of workplace organizing around care and stuff can just maybe flourish into actually stronger union organizing or how you can include it in in, in your organizing.
1: Yeah, I mean like so I mean, we we come in to support support people, but the people who are in the workplace know the workplace better than we do. Yeah. Um, and the the natural relationships that are built up, um, between workers, um, in workplaces are more than we can train. You know what I mean? Like these are natural relationships. These are people that know the, the job inside out and know the situations of people inside out. So that is already the basis of a union, if you know, if you know what I mean. Rather than us viewing unions as some sort of service that you sign up to, it is the membership itself. Um, and when, like, so employers and unions are, of course, that like confrontational with with employers. That is the the nature of what we are. But I mean, when an employer wants to be a good employer, we would we would encourage them also to engage with with union structures within their workplace. You know what I mean? We are. We aren't there to just shout at any employer for the sake of it. We're there to provide the best, um, the best space for the workers in that workplace. And if the employer is happy to engage with that, then that is a positive thing, not a negative thing. Um. So yeah, it's just re- like we really focus on establishing that collective identity within groups of workers, and 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 help reinforce that. The best campaigns that I've been involved with have been people who have, um. Uh, Known people outside of work as well as inside of work, so we just sort of reinforce that relationship and um, try and try and push that a bit further into a bit more um, concrete way of of opposing stuff back to to management or to owners. Like as you say, like you've not been in a unionized workplace. This this job that I'm in now is the first first unionized um, workplace that I've been in, and unionized workplaces and people who are involved in unions, um, it, it looks different on every on every uh, hmm. shop floor but like in, in, in hospitality like some of the things that we we campaign around aren't necessarily always like better pay or more contacted yes. hours. It could be stuff like staff consultation over rota changes or yes. staff consultation a week yes. and a half in advance of rotas being, um, being made or even just employer um, employees sorry, being given a space to discuss issues that they're experiencing without management overlooking them. Rather that happening in a private WhatsApp group after work is finished, it can happen in a more um, structured environment that that gives people the space to air their grievances and a, a a a proper way to push push that forward and push that back to management, and it becomes a bit more of a negotiation over the terms over what's happening in the workplace rather than just a space for people to air their grievances.
0: Oh yeah. And I love I love the term you used, um, like appealing to a collective identity and try to foster that to like take place. Because I can see that, you know, you mentioned it before, but precarious work, zero hours contracts, often does just pit employee against employee, competing for shifts, competing for pay and promotions and stuff like that. So it's like the there has to be that opposing uh, narrative to like knit people together and realize that they can actually make their workplace what they want it to be, rather yeah. than. Um, just competing against each other in this individualized way absolutely Um so i mean i mean ultimately you know it's, it's almost frustrating because precarious work is just we you know we don't want it to exist in society in the first place but we, we have to organize around it but you know what other movements strategies or ideas can be campaigned for or are relevant when it comes to providing just and sustainable employment for young people in the population at large Um like i've wondered if you had any other ideas on that
1: um, well, I mean, we're at the point just now where, like, we need to be like establishing that any public sector jobs are engaging in proper um, contract conditions, that any um, procurement contracts from the Scottish or UK government are ensuring um, good working conditions um, for for the workforce. Um, so. I mean pushing pushing legislation to 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 better support workers in in different situations is is something that can couldn't easily be done. I don't mean by us, but I mean like it wouldn't mm-hmm. be much in terms of changing like employment legislation to, to to improve some of these conditions. Um, in terms of like other forms of ownership, like I I see a whole range of different of different um different types of, of businesses and stuff open up and some with the best intentions, others, others without the best intentions, but proactive engagement with the workforce, um, in terms of the way that their contracts are set is, is should be fundamental. You know what I mean? So engagement with a union structure, if there isn't a union there or with a recognized union, and that could be, that could come out through co-ops or collectively owned, you know I mean? It, it doesn't really matter. And um, as long as the, the, the workers and their union rep- representatives, if they have them, are at the forefront of the decision making and um, decision making process, rather than new conditions being opposed- imposed upon them from outwith
0: that's a great answer actually because you know because even even co-ops with the best intentions like you say can end up just replicating the same sort of hierarchical structures anyway and can perhaps even be more exploitative it's actually that that union structure just the the whole just principle of uniting actually is is kind of just foremost in terms of any employment or even tenancies as well because i see a lot of crossover with like tenancies and like precarious um like accommodation and stuff i've definitely been in some scenarios um but to move on i mean
1: so just just on that in terms of tenancies so we do work quite closely with the live and rent tenants union oh, and um, so we provided some training earlier on this year we've worked t- together and um, over the course of the last couple of years and that's because we recognize that precarious employment leads to precarious housing situations and vice versa and um, so the, the techniques in which they use um, when trying to build up their activists or when trying to train them so that they can um, challenge some things that are happening are quite similar to the approaches that we use. And there's definite crossover from both a campaign point of view and from an activist point of view in terms of like we're, we're, we're trying to get rid of precarious housing and precarious employment and collectively we can, we can achieve this, but trying to individualize all these experiences isn't going to help in, in doing mm. that.
0: Mm -hmm. oh that's actually great news i'm glad that you're working together um and i know there's other campaigns as well that are sort of adjacent but relevant so like how significant would a four day work week be for creating like better work cultures is that step in the right direction
1: i mean yeah i would i would i would definitely say that um a four day work week would be would be beneficial i mean it's been kind of proved through studies i mean i don't have them on hand here but studies that you're actually more productive if you're working over over the course of four days i believe it Obviously in the in the hospitality industry or in the ind- industries that we deal with our our focus would be on protecting and improving the, the conditions in which workers are already on rather than it being seen as a cut to to their um to their employment. But I mean the five day week was something that trade union fought for in, 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 in the past, but it's also a product of a of a long gone time where you would predict you would normally have one person in the house working and the other person would be doing the housework and doing all the other chores and blah 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 yeah. and i'm not saying that's a good thing but i'm saying that we've moved on now to the point where your two days off are actually your two and if you even get the two days off your two days off are where you have to do all the other tasks that you weren't able to do throughout the week and you don't have any time to actually uh, chill out and enjoy yourself because the pressures of work are so extreme in so many different cases so um a four day working week is, is something i think we're moving towards i don't think we're necessarily as close to it as i'd like to be and um, i'm maybe a little bit skeptical of some of the pilots that have been announced but the fact that we're even having the conversation shows that we've moved on um, from where we were even just a couple of years ago because it would have been laughed out of the room just a couple of years ago whereas now there is a legitimate proposal which still i don't think is soon but is something that we should definitely be working towards to give workers space to live their life and not live to work um well said well
0: said yeah and i love the shout out to um all the reproductive work all that work that we have to do at home which is completely unvalued by society but which we're expected to do in our so-called free time but which itself is labor just unpaid labor absolutely um but so, I mean, part of, you know, the four day work we we just mentioned there, but so much of what we talked about, I feel like is part of a just transition. I feel like just transition can really encompass so much of this. It's a change in work culture and sustainable work as well as a movement to like renewable energy and stuff as well. So I just wondered, you know, how much do you conceptualize your work in campaigning as being associated with just transition
1: or um, how do you see it as relevant if you do? Um, well, I mean, we're going to have to fundamentally restructure our economy to deal with the yeah with the upcoming climate crisis. So There's
0: that small thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I mean, changing whilst we are establishing the new new forms of work, it needs to be worker centred, um, and that means that um, employment practices need to be in support of 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 workers and the conditions that they need to to survive. So I think it's I think it is tied because. As I've kind of explained earlier, like the use of zero-hour contracts when they were first rolled out, where oh this is for university, uh, for students at university, and this is maybe for people who want to pick up a couple of hours. Then it became oh this is what the hospitality industry looks like, and now it's like here's what the care sector looks like as well. The care sector heavily involved in this type of employment practices. So I think like that's only going to their own the for as long as they can get away with, and by they I mean. Whole range of different employers and different employment practices as long as they can get away with rolling out this type of work they'll they, they will continue to do so so the trust and transition is about changing that but changing it in a worker-centered worker-focused way and um, so i think it's quite fundamental to the what we're talking about uh, on a on a wider level like i mean i, I feel like an adequate response to climate change is incompatible, incompatible with um rampant capitalism and so if we're and the biggest the biggest, the biggest challenge to, to um, unrestricted rampant capitalism is strong trade unions, in my opinion. So having, having people involved um, with their trade union and actively um, organising against employment practices in their workplace ties into the bigger picture of collectively challenging and defining what work looks like going forward like if you join a trade union yeah you will be a member of your your local branch and you can talk about what's happening in your workplace but unions also talk at a national level about the direction of travel for for industries and as a member of a trade union you have a say in what your your unions you know i mean you can apply to be a delegate at a conference or you you can speak on this situation or what what have you so trade unions are there to challenge at a national level as well and when people sign up and get involved with a trade union they have a part to play in that conversation as well
0: well that is a pretty good advocacy i mean and almost to to to, ro- to round off i mean what uh, for all the young people listening today that are either you know trying to apply for jobs now have uh, been unemployed for a long time or on the insufficient benefit system are you know perhaps just starting new jobs which are precarious and which they are you know, taught to value so much because jobs are so scarce nowadays and they're so competitive to get them so what's the message for all those folks and how do they get involved with better than zero and uh, start joining the union
1: so i mean my advice would be like there is a there's this ingrained perception that this is just the way things are in hospitality and serve and service work and and, yeah. and retail work and that th- doesn't need to be the case like there are plenty of examples of, of, of how we've fought and won for workers and to get them better conditions. Um, and there's plenty of examples that, that will come out in future months and, and years as well. Um, so I would definitely say to raise your expectations about the way that you would be, be treated in your workplace um, and think of the, the, the collective response rather than just the individual response. Um, and I, I will also say that I'm sure there will be a lot of people listening that, maybe vaguely know what trade unions are, maybe seen a few tweets about them, but don't actually know. Totally. And it can seem very intimidating at times, but it really doesn't need to be. And that's the approach of better, better than zero. So if you, if you are, are vaguely interested, but you don't really know what to, where to start, or you um, have some issues that you want to, to, to talk about, or if you have ideas about um, how things might work in your workplace, your university, your area, and then get like get in touch with better than zero and we can open up that conversation. Um so we're we're better than zero is on all the different social media channels. Um it's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us via our Facebook. Um, I do. And yeah, you don't need to have all like all the knowledge about what it is. You can you, you can just be putting your foot in the door and saying you're vaguely interested and we can help you along the way, either putting you in touch with the right people or helping you to do stuff within your own workplace as a starting Absolutely. point yeah
0: and you are valuable that's the message as well you are valuable you are a legal entity technically and um you also deserve to live in dignity and not be exploited at your workplace you deserve sustainable work so that's my message as well to
1: everyone that's listening absolutely said a bit said it better than me
0: (laughs) not at all well honestly i mean as someone that's about to go back into you know a precarious service hospitality job i'm definitely going to be you know um reaching out to better than zero and so i'm definitely going to be reaching out um but that is about all the time that we have so thanks for joining us tam Uh, that was a fascinating dive into some fascinating work and um i'm sure that you're getting a huge workload um now that things are opening back up um but yeah i've certainly feel inspired from that talk and hopefully can bring it into future workplaces and help affect some change on the ground so Uh, thanks for listening everyone
1: and uh, take care and all the best no thanks thanks for inviting me to speak and giving me the space to promote the the campaign cheers time cheers
0: this podcast was brought to you by young friends of the earth scotland a network of young activists fighting for climate and social justice you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter